This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 578. And the quote of the day is, you only get out what you put in. Don't expect more until you do more. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here, episode 578. Thanks so much for being here. And I got some quick news for you. Uh, I started another podcast. Well, I started another podcast in August. It was called Uncut with Nick Ruffini. And truth be told, I never really found my footing with that with that show. And I wanted to have more conversations around the music industry, around the music business side of the, of the music business or the business side of the music business. And through things that I posted on social media and conversations that I've had with people and things I've mentioned in the podcast, I know that the the need is out there to talk more about this because yes, we are drummers, but we also need to understand the business that we work in. So I changed the name of the podcast to Music Biz Uncut. And I'm talking to power players in the music industry, everyone from attorneys to A&R reps to record labels to managers to I just had Rich Redman on so we talk about touring and we talk about the financial side of of being a musician and things like that so again the podcast is called Music Biz Uncut and you can subscribe on any platform iTunes Stitcher Google Play all that stuff or you can go to nickrufini.com forward slash listen and that'll let you select which provider you want to listen and do me a favor, head over, check it out. Let me know what you think. Like it, subscribe to it, leave a rating, leave a review, all that fun stuff. Uh, I really want to hear your feedback. I'm really pumped about it because, like I said, with the other podcasts, I didn't really find my footing with it. And I was sort of sort of back and forth of whether to continue it or not. But this music biz uncut has me on fire. And don't worry, it's not replacing Drummond's Resource or anything like that. Uh, it's just another podcast that I'm doing. And you know that I like the business side of the music business too. So check it out. It's called Music Biz Uncut. I hope you dig it. And let's get into this conversation. This is with Justin Brown. And Justin is someone who I've had wanted to have on the podcast for a very long time. We've been talking back and forth since like 2017 about getting him on the show. And hey, we better, you know, better late than never. We made it happen. So this is a great conversation. We talk about finding clarity in your playing. We talk about really identifying what your intentions are. And he's really steadfast on the idea that you get out of the drums what you put into them. And I totally agree with that. So this conversation is great talking about all those all those different sorts of things. They talk about his influence that or the influence that he had growing up in San Francisco and all of those things are in the Bay Area, I should say. And just a, an amazing conversation. I'm so glad that I got him on and I feel like I'm rambling. The coffee is kicking in. So let me just get into this interview with my man, Justin Brown. Justin Brown, what's going on, my man? I'm chilling, man. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Nice. We, were, nice. we were just talking off air. We're we're both in the same city, but we might as well be three thousand miles away because it's like, well, we're not going to do this thing in person because of of everything going on. So uh, it would have yeah, been great have, to do it in person for sure. It would, yeah. We should meet sometime since we are sort of neighbors, and yeah, we got to keep this social distancing thing happening as much as we can, so we can try to get this thing to subside and move on. But that's kind of yeah. hard. We kind of really know real answers right now other than you know doing the part 
that you need to do, having compassion, yep. doing research and um, moving forward as much as you can right now. That's it. You know? That's it. I mean, luckily, the power of technology allows us to still do a lot of things. Uh, doesn't replace everything. Doesn't replace live music, obviously, and and uh, a lot of other things that that we need. We want that human connection and we want that human interaction. But at least we are a lot. Like my family lives on the East Coast, and it's nice to be able to FaceTime with them and see them. You know, if this was twenty years ago, that would have not been happening. So, yeah, I mean, I guess yeah. In the light of everything going on right now, that's something that. I feel like I've taken it for granted for a long time, you know, like spending mm-hmm. time with family has been precious to me these past few months, you know, yeah. being a traveling musician, you know, I, I, I haven't spent so much time with them, you know, in a long time. And this has been really enlightening and refreshing mm-hmm. and sort of put a lot of things in perspective on how to move forward, you know, but yeah, yeah. it's, it's all good and it's all bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about, about your upbringing. You, you're from the Bay area. The Bay area is a really rich music, uh, has a very rich music history. I mean, with Sly and the Family Stone, uh, the Grateful Dead, the whole Bill Graham thing, Tower Power. And although now, and probably I'm guessing when, even when you were growing up, it was on the tail end of a lot of that, but the residual is that there's a lot of those musicians who still live in San Francisco, you know, or, or in the Bay Area, I should say. Narda Michael Walden lives up there. Santana, uh, Cindy Blackman and, and her husband, Carlos Santana, all live up there. Uh, how much of that did you feel while growing up in the Bay Area? And how much of that do you think was was sort of ingrained in you uh, when you were growing up? Um, wow, that's actually a really cool question. And something that I don't really talk about so much, but um, the Bay Area had a large effect on my musical upbringing, even when I didn't realize it as a kid, you know, a teenager Mm -hmm. growing up with all the history. You know, I remember being a kid and like, you know, my mom's a musician, so she has a lot of musician friends and some of her musicians got her friends got to play with Carlos Santana and um, we went to the. Love Center Ministries Church, mm-hmm. which is a uh, Walter Hawkins, uh, mm-hmm. Bishop Walter Hawkins, and um, she was really prominent and involved with the Hawkins family, who carries a lot of great musical history and has a really huge background, you know, and prominent history in the Bay Area, you know, um, being able to grow up with her around that and meet people like Joel Smith and you know, later on, meet people like Bobby Hutchinson and Eddie Marshall, you know, in the time, you know, you, you kind of see that there's a a musical environment in the Bay Area. And when you're growing up with it, you're just kind of in it. But I don't think I realized it until, you know, more until these days. And as I got older, how much of a deep history the Bay had, you know, and it just makes me even more thankful whenever I go back and check out like Tower of Power or Lenny White or something. It just makes me a little bit more not only inspired, but it keeps me in that place of just always moving forward, you know, and Mm -hmm. thankful for where you come from, you know? Sure. But yeah, I feel like during the time, you know, I was like just living and the older I got, the more I talk with my mom these days and stuff, you know, it really hits me that like, yeah, it was a it's a really special place, you know, from Sly to the Black Panther movement. Yeah. So yeah, it's something I, I, I really cherish and I'm always trying to just be a part of that history and keep that going, you know? 
Right. And it's interesting because I think at the time, sure, in, in you know, the 60s and 70s, everyone sort of knew that San, the San Francisco era was like the mecca of all these things, of, of all this new style of music and and uh, a lot of uh, interracial bands and, and different things like that. Like you said, the Black Power movement, and there's all these there's all these amazing things going on. And I'm sure at the time everyone knew that. But for some reason, it feels like. San Francisco has slipped out of the annals of of music history now. Like we, people still talk about Memphis, and there, I was talking to Terrence Clark about it, and he was saying, you know, people always look at Memphis and they still consider it a music city, uh, but they don't give it as much respect as it deserves or anything like that. And I feel like San Francisco or the Bay Area in general is the same way that it. There's still. And correct me if I'm wrong, but there's still a lot of great music that's happening there. And I feel like it's almost like this forgotten city a little bit. Yeah, I feel like, um, you know, California has changed so much throughout my life. You know, it's Mm -hmm. completely different now than what it was just 10 or 15 years ago. Um, How so? Well, I guess with technology and the advancement of like the tech world. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of brought on gentrification in the Bay Area. So right. it's really, where, where did you grow up in the Bay Area? I grew up I grew up in Richmond, California, which okay. is kind of East Bay, not too far away. From yeah, Oakland. I just I lived in Livermore. So, oh, OK, cool. so, yeah, yeah. you're familiar. So, yeah, I kind of grew up there in the inner city in the hood, you know, and my mother and father eventually moved me and my sister out to Concord, you mm-hmm. know. But even then, you know, it, it just. I've always like with with the history known, it was never a thing where, you know, it never Frisco or the Bay Area never became the L.A. or New York Mecca like that. I don't I feel like maybe because it has a lot to do with change of the city and Mm -hmm. there was a lot of places to play in the 70s and 80s, I'm sure. But when I was coming up, um, there was very few places to like experience music at least jazz music you know we had like a place called bruno's in san francisco there was like pearls in san francisco and there was the birdcage in berkeley and those were like you know jazz clubs where you can go and play you know they had jam sessions and maybe like local musicians and then eventually yoshi's jazz club which is still around you Mm -hmm. know but once you know once i kind of left and the tech world took over it just things just started changing. Like a lot of those venues are gone, you know, and it's a lot more expensive to live here. But there is, you know, there's still musicians that live here and there's still a scene that is moving. It's just not as I don't know, it's just not as prominent as New York and L.A. just due to the circumstances of the economy or culture or just the way like life is moving. You right. know, but it's always been engulfed in this like history in this like sort of secret Mecca, you know, I was actually just talking, who was I talking to? Uh, 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 uh. Well, anyway, yeah, I was just talking to someone <laughs> the other day and I um, was kind of losing my thought, but uh, it is a really enriched place in music and like one of those kind of underground scenes. Right. And it's kind of been always like that as to do why I really don't know. I feel like I'm, still a little bit too young and still need to talk to my elders about what the scene was like, you know, in the Mm seventies and sixties, even in the eighties, you know? Yep. But, and now, I mean, it is, it's, it's impossible to be an artist and live in San Francisco. You just can't afford it. It's like, 
It's I mean it's insanely Santana. <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, unless you're Carlos Santana. You know. And I don't even I, and he doesn't even even live in San Francisco, does he? I think he lives outside of it. Oh yeah. I mean I'm I wonder if it's like he lives in Marin or San right. Rafael. But I don't know. Music is one of those things I feel like, yeah, it's a it's a hard and long road, you know, but I always feel like if you serve the music and doing the work and have this love and dedication, it is, it'll serve you back. You know, mm-hmm. things will manifest in that way. If you are a musician who want to, you know, if you set that goal to live in San Francisco, it's, it's, it's possible. It might be a little hard or you might have to like sacrifice a few things to get to the top or however it may come. I just feel like it's all about your intentions sure. you know, as a musician, you know, cause even New York living in New York, you know, I would go through times of like, you know, struggling financially and, you know, not really knowing how I'm going to move throughout the year, but it was always like the love and dedication that kept me going, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, drawing inspiration from friends or music or just daily life just yeah. that um seeing that like you have a reality <laughs> at stake <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know you it's almost like the matrix like the the red pill or the blue pill you know what i mean you have a, a choice to make to you know kind of go off gifts and talents and or you work hard you know mm-hmm. whatever the case i feel like if your intent is honest and true then it will manifest so if you wanted to be that musician who has the 13 bedroom mansion, you can do it. You can do mm-hmm. it. If you, mm-hmm. it's I just all about your intent. I feel sure. You know, one of the things that you just said was about how what you put into it is what you get out of it. The amount of the amount of effort you put into it, you get out of it, or or whatever intention you go in with is is what you're going to get out of it. Talk about your path with in terms of the hard work. I mean, you're at the top of the heap, and and I think that people underestimate how hard it is to get there and how much work is required. And my guess is, you know, they look at you and they're like, "Oh, he's a relatively younger guy," but like, you know, when did you start playing drums? How old were you when you started playing drums? Well, I was um, I like a lot of my musician friends and drummers who have mothers who were musicians, we all started playing in church at a very young, young age. So like myself, you know, my mother tells me the first time I sat down on the drums, um, I was two years old and her friend um, was a drummer, sat me on his lap and I was able to play a beat and he was able to control the pedals, mm-hmm. you know? So it started there, you know, and she all, and when you're 18, say, go ahead. She used to also say I used to kick to the beat, you know, when I was when I was in her womb and stuff like that. So she knew I was going to be a drummer. Yeah. You know, it was it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I was given a gift and a talent, you know, and I was able to kind of grow up in the environment to sort of see that like musical is available and possible. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was until later on, like later in my later years in high school until I went to college to where I took it very serious. You know, mm-hmm. I was exposed to jazz. I was, you know, I was taking some little private lessons then. So I was exposed to it in the way where I was seeing like a technical side. And, you know, a lot of my friends were, you know, playing music at the time too. And, you know, we were all coming together. 
sharing and growing together. But it wasn't until like I was 18 that I realized that like practice is what is what's going to keep me going, you know, and keep mm-hmm. me not stagnant. I realized at that point that I had a gift and a talent and I had an ability, you know, but in order, I knew in order to be great and successful, you know, and I think that just the, just the natural love and affinity, affinity, uh, affinity of the instrument just led me to want to work and want to grow. But with, with this, you just, you know, through time and through experience and through moving through life, you know, you just have to have patience, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, that's one thing that I think that a lot less people have these days is patience. Yeah. Patience with how you're moving in life and patience with growing with the instrument, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. how did you learn that patience? Um, I think at a certain point, you know, you can choose to like say, okay, I'm going to go this way in music or I want to be this type of musician or whatever. Um, I think I've always had this just desire just to accept music as a whole and grow in it as much as I can. So realizing that like that and the fact that you're in this thing with amongst others, who's kind of seeking the same thing, you know, I just kind of, with the upbringing that I had and the, you know, the inspiration that I got from peers and my elders and from listening to records, I don't know. It just humbled me. You know, I was just felt mm-hmm. really humble and really thankful that I, I was a part of something. You know, New York was a trip because there's a lot of amazing musicians. And when you go and you see that, you go, OK, OK, wait a minute. I'm not the only one, you know. So I guess like my spirit and my attitude was just like. I never wanted to be the guy that was like, you know, okay, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to try to get on everybody's gig. I just wanted to be the best that I could be myself and be inspired by others. And throughout that process, you know, you just kind of learn that like some things you'll learn overnight and some things just take time to grow with. And I feel like, you know, it's kind of contingent on the choices you make and the thoughts that you control in your own head, you know? Because mm-hmm. there is a lot of distractions. Yeah, like, you know, going to New York and seeing those amazing drummers at a young age, I was like, okay, you can be a little discouraged. You can be like, okay, man, I'm not on the same level, but the idea is to be inspired by it, you know, right. to grow with it. And just throughout time, I just am completely throughout my days and throughout my experiences, experiences just trying to live with that model, having patience and resilience, you know, mm-hmm. and, and just kind of trusting that things will work out in the end if I do the work and if I'm living my life correctly. Right. You know? Right. The, the point that you made about, uh, about uh, talent and skill. And sorry, I lost my train of thought there for a second uh, about talent okay. and skill. And there's, all, there's this video that I always reference with Will Smith. And he says that, talent you have naturally skill comes from hours and hours and hours of beating on your craft and and natural talent will only take you so far and then you have to develop your skill and for you my guess is that you realized okay i have some i have some natural talent here i have some natural ability but you would have never become the player that you are now had you not spent hours and hours and hours beating on your craft so to speak right 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it just, I think it just goes back to love, you know, love mm-hmm. and dedication, you know, like, I guess growing up in the spiritual world and in a spiritual environment, you know, you kind of learn that like, okay, you can use your, your, okay. I learned in church that like music was a spiritual thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Music was there to not only make people feel good, but to heal people, to, to give people hope throughout their days, you know? So there was always that thing in the back of my head that like, you know, music was to make it just to say the least, make the people feel good and to conjure other energies. And, you know, when you go and you start to research jazz and you start to research, you know, African rhythms, you start to learn that like, you know, just for African, West African music, you know, a lot of that, those rhythms are connected to deities, you know? So there's a rhythm for bringing on the weather. There's a rhythm to, you know, heal someone throughout their day. So you kind of get a sense that like music was not for entertainment in the way that we know it today, but it was really to conjure energy and to conjure spirits, you Mm -hmm. know? So connecting that and so kind of realizing that and knowing that like it takes work to kind to just get better. You know, when you watch someone like Michael Jordan, he didn't stop. He was practicing all the time. When you see someone like Mike Tyson coming back these days, he's taking the time to develop. He went back to the gym, worked out for years, you know, mm-hmm. like, yep. I just feel like at some point you have to, you, it's the love and the affinity of the music and the things that inspire you that just want to make you grow. Now, like, yeah, there's distractions like money or, People say the word selling out, you know, where you are kind of like, you know, bringing your creativity down by just settling down and just doing something for to be successful. I mean, I think I'm talking in circles, but it it, it just goes back to what you want to get out of this, you know, Mm -hmm. and when you start to realize the things that you want to get out of it and how you want to survive through it, then I guess the work is contingent on your beliefs, on your dreams and what you want to manifest through it. Mm -hmm. So I think I keep going back to just love and affinity. Like if you're inspired to be successful, then you should definitely be inspired to do the work. Sure. Sure. You know, and that's what I feel like being around, you know, our great practitioners, you know, anytime I went to go see someone like a Billy Hart or a Brian blade, you know, I always got a sense that they never settled, you know, they always Mm -hmm. kept going. And, you know, when you hear stories about the past, you read, you know, about the history of the music in the past with anything, whatever genre, the true geniuses of it, you know, they never look back, you know, they never mm-hmm. look back. They always had this realization that music was a lifelong journey, right. you know? Right. So I just try to just, yeah, I think there was just a certain point where I was like, I love this instrument. I love music. And Mm -hmm. I want to do anything and everything that I can to get better and to grow with it, you know? Sure. And by doing that, you just kind of realize that it's going to be a never ending, never ending journey, you know? Mm -hmm. So when you talk about being around people that inspire you and I even see the, I, I, I see the effects of it when I do interviews and 
I may not feel like practicing or something like that. And then I have, I do an interview and I get so inspired to go and shed or, or listen to the person's music and try to, you know, shed some of the stuff that, that they're playing or whatever the case may be. It's just, it's very, very powerful and amazing to see what a little bit of, a little bit of inspiration can do for you or a little bit of motivation can do for you or a little bit of, of, sort of positive mental uh, stimulation can can do for you as a player. And if you go see people play or go watch some videos on YouTube or listen to a podcast, that even if you're not with that person, it could be so inspiring to go make you practice. So being around people in person, I think is a hundred times that and is, is super inspiring. You can't just do it in a vacuum in your basement all the time and just practice, practice, right. practice. Right, right. I always tell people it's about the, you know, it's about the wide spectrum of it all. You know what I mean? You have to be checking out records just as much as you're practicing, you know, or, you know, going to shows is one of the biggest inspirations you can get. You know, once you go see one of your favorite drummers and like sitting under the hi-hat and just experiencing that can go long ways, you know. Me seeing mm-hmm. Dennis Chambers for the first time when I was fourteen, I remember that day. You know what I mean? I like I, I all it, it just sticks with me. And there's a lot of experiences like that that stick with me. So yeah, like finding ways to be inspired is just kind of like, you know, that's kind of like our theme. You know what I mean? It's like listening to records. It's like once a record, I've absorbed a record. I'm like, okay, I need something new. I need something new. I'm hungry <laughs> for something new. It's almost right. like an addiction, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Are you, are you, I, I'm guessing that you do this because you're, you and I are around the same age. So we didn't grow up with the instant, uh, I don't even want to call it instant gratification, but the instant access to anything we wanted to listen to or watch. So I will go and take a record and I will go through the whole thing. I will dissect it. I'll listen to it. I'll listen to every single track. I'll listen to it two, three, four, five times in a row. Uh, that to me is absorbing a record and and playing along with it and and really listening to it versus listening to you know the head and then being like okay next song next song next yeah yeah I checked out that record and it's like well you didn't really right. check out the record. Um, so when you talk about absorbing a record, is that is that how you're is that how you're absorbing it? You're listening to the whole thing and really digging into yeah, it. Yeah, I'm still in that realm of checking out the whole records. You know, yeah, we like are. I guess I'm a cassette tape generation and CD yeah. player. Yep. So I still, you know, when I was buying records, it was still the whole records. I wasn't like buying or downloading music. But yeah, no, I feel like um. You get a truer experience of what the artist is, where they're coming from and what they're trying to say, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like, I just, with records, there's, I mean, yeah, there's things that I miss, like, as far as, like, checking out the personnel or just looking at, like, the album covers and going through, you know, I miss stuff like that. And that's something that I'm thankful that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's, in this time, it's kind of hard to say there's no right or wrong way to listen to someone because you could type in the artist and just listen to their whole discography now you know yeah but i just feel like it's it's i don't know like it's wow i think i'm going back it's up to your <laughs> what your intent is <laughs> like it's how you listen you know what i mean i guess it's a little bit harder for the younger generation because it's yeah it's so easy for them to have access to everything so it might be a little harder to settle with something 
Mm-hmm. But I feel like if you hear something, you know, or if something kind of floats by, if you have shuffle on or if you're hearing something in the store, then if you figure out or find a new artist, then I feel like it should make you intrigued to want to know what they're trying to say in the full album. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yep. I used and, to get um, mad when I was younger and I bought it, you know, I bought a tape and the, and the liner notes were like really slim. You know, and I was like, oh, there's not really much in here. Like, I used to love it. I pulled out and that J card was just like super long. It had the lyrics or or all like just had everything about the the record. That was like the gold mine for me. Yeah, it's it's about the big picture for me. It's like, you know, I guess there's some artists, you know, that like I like a few songs and, you know, but yeah, at some point I always feel like I I check out the whole album, even if I'm not into the whole thing. I think it's just good to just get a sense of, you know, it's almost like a movie or reading a book, you know, you're just kind of, mm-hmm. you're kind of like getting a sense of what the artist is saying and you can kind of make these own stories in your head and kind of reflect in a way and, you know, to see if you feel like you relate to it or not relate mm-hmm. to it. So I feel like listening to records is, it's not, I don't want to say it's a lost art form, but it's a little bit harder to you know, to settle in on one thing because everything is coming at us. Right. But yeah, I still, I still buy records, man. I still buy vinyl. Yeah. You know, every now and then I'll buy a CD. And if I download something, I'm definitely going to listen to the whole album. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. One line in the Dream Symbol family that I think is really cool is the Dark Matter family. They have the Flat Earth, the Moon Ride, and the Dark Matter Energy. And although they're all made a little bit differently, they all involve the Dark Matter process. And this is really cool. Check this out. They take a symbol that is already finished and then put it back in the oven, hand hammer it, and then shock it with cold water, and then put it back in the oven. And what happens is the ash and the soot from the oven are fused to the top layer of the metal, which give it this really, really unique sound. And you know what? I want to let you hear exactly what this process does to a symbol. Check them out. To learn more about Dream Symbols, their Dark Matter line, and all their great products, be sure to check out DreamSymbols.com. I want to switch gears a little bit. I was thinking about this the other day, and we always talk about sort of the golden age of of drumming. And we, you know, we talk about Ev- Elvin, and we talk about uh, Tony, and we talk about you know Roy Haynes. All the all these cats who are around uh, New York predominantly, and we look back. Everyone looks back and says, "Man, what that would have been amazing to to be alive." And I was talking to. I forgot who I was talking to a couple weeks ago on the podcast, but they were saying, yeah, just I would just I lived in New York and I would just go check out Elvin, you know, every night or go check out Tony or or whoever else. And now the way that it feels now, I feel like we are living in another in another era that people are going to look back on. And say, man, it would have been amazing to catch all these guys. I'm t- like you and Justin Faulkner and and uh, Spud and Mark Juliana, and I mean, there's a whole there's a whole sort of I don't even want to call it a, a an underground scene because it's not underground, but there's a whole scene that's happening right now 
that that is amazing and it's like this it's this fresh new i don't even want to call it a new style of music but a new a new take on on music and things like that do you feel like we're in that right now do you feel like we're in this sort of like renaissance of of new music that's going on with the advent of technology and there's sort of like the dilla-esque kind of style mixed with fusion and what do you what's your take on that oh man i i feel like yes we are in something and i felt i've felt like that the last 10 years you know up until now mm-hmm. and that's just like you know when you're going and you're you know at least when i talk to like my elders or like my mentors you know music has always been evolving it's always going to change you know it's always going to be something that we can't expect it to be you know so i feel like that's that's important to always keep going back you know to kind of see, you get a better sense of yourself when you go back and kind of see how the music has evolved. And I feel like even now with like, yeah, everything moving in our climate, you know, we have no choice but to change musically, you know? Right. We we have, it's too many things to, at least I feel like there's so many things to draw from, from insp- for inspiration. And it's kind of allowed people you know, with the advancement of technology, like you said, it's kind of allowed people to not only have access to more information and figure out who they are, but to also not be afraid to take challenges, you know, because Mm -hmm. the information is right there. So if you go back and you check something out, it's almost like you're rediscovering something. So it it, kind of inspires you to try to move forward in an honest way to try to push for something new. You know, and mm-hmm. I feel like definitely like now for sure, like it's almost like I th- I've been thinking about like, you know, with this virus and this pandemic, you know, this is something that I've never experienced in my lifetime, but something that like my grandparents have experienced, you know, and when we read about history about like whether it's the Spanish flu or the Civil War or World War One, you know, they're, the music always changed after those times, you know, mm-hmm. even in the 60s, you know, like from the 70s, it always changed. And it, it always seemed like it was changing contingent on the times, you know? Yeah. So I'm for me being inspired by that. I'm with what along with what we were saying, like, you know, realizing you have a talent and a gift and doing the work, you know, it's. It's almost like with all that in mind, you know, I want to submit to just the now, you know, just mm-hmm. the now, you know, and it, 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 if it takes like, yeah, going out and checking out the past and checking out what's now to have a crazy future, then that's the, that's the role that I'm going to take. And I feel like everybody's a part of that. It's almost like universal consciousness, you know, everybody kind of feels this strong change and this strong pull and yeah, it's something that like, yeah, like when I talk to Billy Hart and he tells me he was he saw Coltrane at the Vanguard, you know, it's going to be the same thing 20, 30 years from now. People will yeah. be talking about us. People will be researching and seeing where, you know, how we how did they end up where they are then, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a, it's a strong it's a, actually a beautiful time. You know, it's yeah. a really beautiful time in something to really cherish and be thankful to be a part of, but it's always been like that, you know, and it's always something with music. You just kind of 
you have to be ready to expect the unexpected and try to be right there with it because it's going to change. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yep. going to change. So yeah, man, I feel like this is a beautiful time, you know? Uh, I agree. The, the thing that's fascinating to me that you were saying this universal consciousness is that everyone, not just musicians, everyone I talk to is reevaluating. They're yeah. reevaluating where they're living where they're working, who they're married to or who they're dating or or you know what career they're in. And I think it I think in some way it helped us maybe not hit the pause button but slow things down a little bit, realize what's important. I think a lot of people are saying, "Look, I don't want to live in the city and be stacked on top of each other anymore just so I can work at this job that I don't even like, so I'm going to move out of the city." And and I think there's there's a lot of reevaluating going on. So if you know if one thing that's good that comes out of this, I think it is that, and I think that people are realizing that they want to be playing more music, or they want to be playing a different style of music, or they don't want to be in this band that they were on tour with for the last five years, but they had no way of getting out of it or didn't know how to get out of it. You know, it's a it's an interesting time for sure. Yeah, we have everything right there right there before us, you know, right in front of us, you know? So it kind of puts us in this position that like we, it just comes down to choice. You know, you can Mm -hmm. choose to sort of be blinded by the things that are going on in the world and kind of move that way, or you can be inspired by the things. And I just feel like a lot of people are more uh, awake and more, ready to just move forward, you know, in any mm-hmm. way that I, they can, you know? Sure. Sure. Uh, I want to talk about your sound, your style, creating in the moment. Um, what I've, everything that I listen of, to of yours, I get this feeling that it is, it, I mean, it's it's not preconceived. You're you're living in the moment while you're playing, but that's something that you had to develop on your own. And do you feel like you developed that more on the bandstand, or do you feel like you developed it more in the shed, working on just working on your voice, hearing the things differently, or hearing things melodically? Uh, I use this I use this term all the time, and I stole it from a guest, and I forget who exactly said it. But there's a lot of times there's a lot of just copying and pasting, right? Maybe maybe it fits, maybe it doesn't, but it, you just copy it and paste it into this thing that you're playing. And I don't, you're not doing that. So how did you develop that muscle to, to really live in the moment, but speak authentically and, and have your own voice uh, when you are speaking? I feel like it was um, a little bit more of the experience of playing with musicians more so than working out, working it mm-hmm. out in practice. Um, because with musicians, you, like I was saying, this whole thing, expect the unexpected, you know, you can go onto the bandstand with these preconceived notions and, you know, you can kind of think in terms like, okay, I'm going to play this five stroke role <laughs> coming up, you know, and you, it's about, for me, it's about letting all that go. It's about getting as much as information as you can, mm-hmm. you know, and working out the mechanics and like listening to music and, you know, however you do it, transcribing, you know, and then when you get to the bandstand, it's about letting all that go to me. Now, as a drummer in, in music, you know, we have a role to 
groove and make things feel good, you know? Right. So I always go in with an open mind and an open heart, you know? You know, I, John Clayton, a good mentor, has this quote saying, nervous energy is selfish energy, you know? Mm. And that really registers to me in that way. Like, if I'm nervous, then I'm thinking about myself. I'm thinking about, oh, I hope I don't mess up. I hope, you know you know, who's in the audience or I'm thinking about other things. I'm not really focused on the moment, you know? So I try right. to go into whatever I do, no matter how simple the music or how complicated the music is, I always go in with a clear mind and a clear heart and just try to have patience and resilience. There it is again, patience and resilience mm -hmm. to just start from the ground up, you know, start really simple and let the things kind of happen naturally in the moment, you know, and that's contingent mm -hmm. on like, you know, it could be like a musical conversation to what I'm hearing in the moment or, you know, just kind of just relaxing and making things feel good, you know, mm -hmm. and it's almost like um, it's just like having a conversation with someone, you know, we're kind of just meeting from the first time and you can kind of get a sense of my personality or we're getting a sense of each other's personality by just talking Right. You know, so I want to have that scent, that same sense and approach to music, you know, mm -hmm. you know just conversating, listening, you know, yep. reacting and responding in an honest manner. And I feel like once you have control of your mind and your ego and stuff like that, like you and knowing that, like, you can't really control music, you know, you have all the tools and all the words you need and just kind of settling back and just using it for what you need it for, for what the energy, what it calls for the energy of the room, of the musicians, of the audience, you know, all that, all that comes into play, but mm -hmm. it's about having patience and resilience and just grooving, man. Yeah. <laughs> just grooving, just simply grooving, you know, and that's something that I gained throughout the musical experience. You know, I right. feel like I, I gained a lot by, you know, someone like Kenny Garrett, you know, Kenny Garrett was a dude that, he wants you, the drummers to play, you know, and a lot of amazing drummers have played with him. But I mm -hmm. really got to learn how to play with an intent, with intensity, you know, and really how to, yeah, kind of hold back certain things, you know. Right. Because with Kenny at that time, I guess it was the level of like, okay, I had, I had all this information, but there were times where it felt like I was throwing it out there, or I was forcing it out, so. Something for to play with someone who starts at 100, you know, mm -hmm. it kind of maybe it, it helped me grow in that sense to kind of hold back a little bit more, you know. Right. Right. You know? And that's just that's something that comes out that that happens throughout time, you know, and mm -hmm. that's something I'm striving to get better at, you know. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to note about how you know we're talking a lot about patience we're talking a lot about uh and and a lot about repetition really like even yeah <laughs> like i learned you know i learned uh what i learned on the bandstand you learned what you learned on the bandstand but then i i it proved itself again with doing these these podcasts right so in the beginning the first 10 15 episodes like if you go back and listen to them they are horrible you know i'm nervous i don't know what i'm doing i'm like fumbling around and now i'm at whatever 575 or something like that and and they're so they're so smooth to me in my brain now that I can just have a conversation and I don't have to worry about 
all the other stuff. My recording is everything. Is everything going to go right? Do I have this thing? Like now it's just I can have a conversation with you and it's loose. Yeah, man. And it's relaxed. You know, that's kind of how I'm feeling. Like I'm I haven't been doing so many interviews and, you know, so I feel a little bit rusty and I feel like my mind is a little bit uh, flustered, (laughs) you know, but this is if this is rusty and flustered. (laughs) But I, I know that feeling of being in the flow of interviews, you know, even if it's just like one a day or a couple a week. You know, mm-hmm. you start to get in that flow. And, yeah, it's like repetition. You start to work the, those muscles and the science of it all. All those things start to connect in your brain, you know? Right, right. So once one thing connects, another thing is chilling. <laughs> yeah, and it's sort of like, let, let me save you the suspense of playing live. If, once you, if you're just, like, once you just start playing live, it's going to suck for a little while. You're going to be bad at it, right? Like, <laughs> well, it's, it, it all depends. It all depends. Like I said, it all depends on your intent and where your heart is at and how much you control, how much you have control of your mind and your heart and what's flowing sure. through there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Cause I could, I could see guys who, you know, even on the IG thing, you know, they like the guys post every day, you know, and they're good at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's it's at a point now where they do it so much. They don't they have a great mix. They don't really have to think about so many things, you know. So repetition is uh, is key to growth for sure yeah. in, in, yeah. in anything. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I, I think a lot of times, well, I, you know, I posted three videos and I didn't really get any any likes. So I guess people don't like what I'm doing. It's like, no, you you only put, you did it three times. Do it three thousand times and see see where you're at. Yeah, there's there's many there's many ways. I mean that that whole thing is. I mean, of course, I'm gonna go back into, you know, what your intent is, but, um, you know, that whole thing is. Um, you just have to be honest with yourself. You know, some some things take time. You know, you can grow a whole following, and some things you just you shouldn't really have to put so much pressure on yourself. Mm-hmm. It's just like a, a good time to be in that, like, you know, people are listening, you know? Right. And I always say, like, it's not about the likes, you know what I'm saying? Because even if you have, like, 100 likes, you know, you, you're you speaking to someone. You've reached someone. And that's actually a lot of people, you know? if you Even if you get 1,000 likes, that can be a, a venue, you know? Right. So right. it's about, like, just being secure within yourself and just allowing things to manifest naturally with that, mm-hmm. you know, and not being so caught up in the hoof blah of yeah. it all. Cause it can How, be hard, you know? Yeah, of course uh, it can be, and it can, it can be distracting and it can be, it can be debilitating at times and yeah, depressing. And, and we, they've already proven that, you know, social media has the same effect on your brain as drugs do and the same dopamine responses and things like that, which is absolutely crazy. Uh, where do you rank social media and followers and likes and, and all of that for you? How high or how low is that on your sort of level um, of importance? I think I'm, well, <laughs> that's a good question, actually. You know, it's like my following, I'm thankful for my following, but I don't. I don't try to post things for the sake of posting and to get a response, you know, it's just like music. It's the same approach. I'm just trying to be honest, you know, with how people 
view me and not really trying to build. I'm not trying to build like a persona, you know, I'm just trying to right. give you me and who I am, you know, and you can either like it or you can either not, you know, right. and, and I feel like with me too, you know, that's something to where I, I'm fortunate enough to see that it came into play in my life. You know, I'm, you know, I've lived a life pre Instagram and pre social media, you know, mm-hmm. so there's a bit of it to where, you know, I guess it's almost like you have to know your worth, you know, mm-hmm. because there is capitalism, you know, everybody yeah. is seeing each other and it's not only pushing us and pushing us to grow at a faster weight, but it's also exposing us in a way that like people can really analyze and see who you are, you know, and mm-hmm. people can really have a perspective of who you are. So I think with me, I'm seriously just trying to be honest, you know, and I'm trying to, I'm at a point and now, you know, at this, I'm s- still young, you know, I'm 36 years old, you know, but I'm also just trying to be an example, you know, mm-hmm. the guys coming um, under me, you know, sure. and I'm truly inspired by that too. So like I said, it's, it's a, it's like about doing that. Like it's about living. My friend put it in the way he's like, man, you got to do the Egyptian out here. <laughs> and I was like, what, what does that mean? I, I, I was like, I know, I know the Egyptian, you know, the, the like photo, walk, like, like walk, know, like an Egyptian of kind the, of thing. Well, yeah. The photo of where they have one hand moving forward and they have one hand behind them. Right. You know, right. He was like, you got to constantly be going forward and backwards, man. And you got to be in the middle, you know? And I was like, wow, that's a good, analogy and a good I like like, it. visual but yeah that's what you kind of have to be doing you have to be going back doing the research and when you do that in everything not just music just in history in general you know whether it's mm-hmm. family or just a natural history of the world yeah. you know like uh it, you get a better understanding of self you know mm-hmm. and when you hear things in the now you know you just kind of feel like you're you're moving along with it, you know? Yep. So I think in my position with the social media thing is like, I'm just really just trying to be honest, man. Yeah. You know, I yep. living in New York, I did have a, I was really insecure and really nervous and really in my head about things. And, you know, with Instagram, you can, it can, it can do that to you. It can eat you up. You know, you can mm-hmm. see somebody really amazing and then you can just kind of give up. But it's not there for that. It's it's more like it's it's about being inspired by that and knowing your worth and being honest with where you want to lie within it. Right. You know? Yep. I always say use Instagram as a tool to inspire you, yeah. to motivate you, not as a not as a thing that that depresses you and makes you want to quit playing drums. Yeah, it's it's a true tool. It's a that's a great way to put it for sure. It's definitely a tool, you know, and it's a great tool, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just how you want to utilize that tool. Yeah. Do you know why when you tune a drum, you're supposed to go diagonal across the drum? That's because your drum is flawed. I hate to break it to you, but your drum is flawed because of the way that the edge is. The typical edge doesn't allow the drum head to sit 
on it properly. So when you tighten down one lug, it causes the drum head to shift and pop up on the other side. That's why you have to tune it diagonally. But now with the new Sonicleer Edge from Mapex, that's a thing of the past. The Sonicleer Edge allows the head to sit flush. So it promotes ease of tuning, increased shell resonance, and optimal tonal clarity. So you're going to have to do a lot less work and get a lot greater sound. To learn more about the Sonicleer Edge, go to mapexdrums.com. Hey, are you tired of coated drum heads chipping and flaking after only a few hours of play? Tired of premature denning and breakage? Well, welcome to the next generation of coated drum heads, Evan's new UV coating technology. They're made with proprietary inks and a new UV-like curing process, so these heads are able to withstand strikes, brush strokes, and rim shots better than anything on earth. That means you get to play heads that sound and look fresh for longer, and you can spend less time tuning and modifying and changing heads. They're available in one-ply and two-ply, as well as Evans proprietary hydraulic and EMAD systems. Check them out by going to evansdrumheads.com. You had mentioned your insecurities and being inside of your head. Was that in general or with your playing? Um, it was a little bit in general too, you know, mm-hmm. right. Cause my personality, you know, I'm, I really believe that all of our personalities come out, you know, the things that move in our very life is the way we sound the way we do, you know? Right. But right. yeah, you know, I, I was a, you know, I, I was a guy that like, you know, I like to think of myself that like I had a gift and ability of uh, ability. And, you know, it wasn't until that I was like, 18 or early 20s where I really started practicing, you know, but like at that time when I was, you know, whether it be my peers or, you know, my mentors, you know, there you can get a bit discouraged, you know, that's just natural Mm -hmm. as humans, you know, you can just kind of be like, man, am I really going to make it, you know, am I really as good as I think I am? Am I as good as I think I am? You know, you start to question those things, but it's about, learning that like that's when you're in development (laughs) right when you are questioning those things and when you are like analyzing in that way that's the hunger for growth you know and that's kind of like you know that's what keeps you developing you know so there's just a point you know i just got comfortable with who i was you know Mm-hmm. And I, was there anything that you did to get comfortable with that or to to be okay with some of those insecurities and and sort of self-doubt and cuz I think that is I think self-doubt ruins more people than anything else. Well, I'm I'm big on mentorship, you know. I feel mm-hmm. like once I start to, you know, whether it be like my mom or people like Billy Hart or, you know, the great the drummers that came before me Whenever I had time with them, and I still talk to them on the phone, whenever I'm talking to them, you know, it's like you get a sense that they were going through the same thing. But, like, they're at a point now where they've lived so much life and seen so much that they're they're just sure, you know. There's, I don't know, I think the more I talk to my elders and the more that I saw that, like, they had a life within themselves. You know, mm-hmm. it was a more about me learning how to just be secure with my path. Right. You know, we all like we all are given this gift, you know, mm-hmm. and even though it's on a platform to where we're seeing all the, we're seeing each other and we're growing together, 
I still firmly believe that your path is meant for something. And the more you invest that and be true to that, it will be meant for something, you know, it right. will be meant for, we all are beings meant for a purpose. We all have a purpose. And I also feel like that's something that can be lost in, in teaching someone, you know, mm-hmm. at this point now, there's so much information that like it's filtered information and it's kind of a derived or derivative for something else from something else. So, right. It's about taking the information and being secure within yourself. I feel like yeah. I'm talking in circles. No, you're not but at it's, all. It's, you're it's, not at all. It's, 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 that's just what it is, man. You know, because we all know what a paradiddle is. I right. feel like it's our heart that's going to really, that's what the, it's our heart that's going to make this, that make that paradiddle spark. Right. Or right. not spark. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, uh, the so, the important thing that you said too about when you're talking to your elders and understanding that they had a life within them too, it's easy for us to look at somebody like a Billy Hart or to look at someone like an Elvin Jones or a Lenny White or anyone and and think, oh, they never dealt with self doubt or or any of right. those things. And then you learn that everyone did. Like I taught, you know, Peter Erskine said the same thing where he was like, I was, I had a lot of self doubt. Like I I didn't think. I didn't think I was any good for a long time, you know, and I think it's important to remember that even the greats have that. And the way that you get over that self-doubt is to just work harder. And yeah. And also, I want to make another point with that. Like, it just hit me that, like, you know, even when I talk to my elders, you know, they were all together. And with us now, we're all in this together. So it's also gaining that sense of just community. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, the musician community and yeah it can be a you know you can it can be competitive in a way like a friendly competition you know guys are so good that like it pushes you to want to get better but it's not a community of hate or really trying to bring the next person down right and that's one of the biggest things that i've i've learned that just the sense of community is just so much love within all of us and right. once you have a sense of that, it's like, yeah, we're in this together. You know, there's mm-hmm. this togetherness. You know, you might have like your, you know, your prominent dudes or whatever, you know, but it's important for you to make your stamp and make your part, you know, because we all are in this together, you know. And I think that's something that, you know, once I realized that, that like it's once you realize that it's just a beautiful thing, you know, Yeah, it's just yep. a beautiful thing that like, there's all these guys you, we can, we can come together and talk and express and share information, you know, and having that, you know, it just makes you better. <laughs> you yep. know? Yep. And what I found too, is the more successful the drummer, the more willing they are to help support, you know, teach, encourage, motivate. It's always the guys who are not doing anything, don't really play that well. Like those are the guys that I feel like have all the ego and are are sort of like keeping all their quote unquote secrets to themselves and don't want to support and don't want don't want to, you know, put anybody else on. I always I, yeah. that's the, and I think that that's how you get to the top is because you are that good person. Yeah, I, I there's longevity within that. You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, there's a lot. I'm going to just say that there's a longevity within that. And I feel like, yeah, it's, in, it's, 
very important to, you know, just like someone helped me, you know, I want to help someone, you know, mm-hmm. I yep. want to, like I said, I want to, I want to lead by example, yep. you know? Yep. It reminds me, there's a Jack Lemon quote that says, if you've done well in the business that you chose to work in, then it's your responsibility to spend the majority of your time sending the elevator back down. <laughs> and, I that. and I agree with that. Yeah, man. You know, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, yeah, having control, <laughs> you know, having some, <laughs> yeah. having some control of your brain and your, you know, your actions. Yep, exactly. Well, Justin, my man, I really, really am happy that we got to to do this today. I've been wanting to do this for a while. And I know you and I, you know, chatted back and forth about about doing it for a while, and I'm glad that we we got it on. We got it on tape, as they say. And, yeah, uh, man, I'm, 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 I'm really happy this- that you did it. Yeah, I'm glad this finally came into fruition, man. Thank you for wanting to take the time with me. And, you know, thanks for dealing with my pseudo nerves and flustered mind. But this was really a pleasure. <laughs> it was, was my really pleasure. A pleasure. Pleasure, man. For sure. Likewise. And uh, when you are back out on the road, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you in person. But until then, please stay safe and uh, happy birthday to your mom as well. And, yeah, thanks, uh, man. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, please stay safe up there, and then and then once you're back in LA, we can we can connect for sure. Yeah, man, I hope to connect, and you stay stay safe as well. I will. Thanks, Justin. For sure, man. There you have it. The one, the only Justin Brown. You can find the show notes by going to drummersresource.com forward slash session five, seven, eight. Also check out my new podcast. It's called music biz uncut talking to power players in the music industry. And we talk about everything from touring to booking to royalties, to recording, to sync to publishing and everything in between so you really want to understand the business that you're in so check that out music biz uncut you can find it at nickruffini.com forward slash listen or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcast i would really appreciate it and again thank you so much for listening to this podcast i love you so much for it and until the next podcast keep drumming thank you so much for listening and i'll be talking to you soon peace Drummer's Resource is produced by Revoice Media. Executive producer Nick Ruffini, that's me. Edited by Justin Thomas. Video editing by Tomas Shannon. And graphic design by Catherine Wade. For more music and entertainment podcasts, be sure to check out revoicemedia.com.